Good morning, brothers and sisters. Earlier this week, when I was praying on what I should preach for this Sunday, even before I had done the readings for today, what very clearly came to mind and what the Lord has continually throughout the week reminded me that is a perfect topic is the sin of gossip. I don't know the last time I, I preached on that particular one. I can't really fit it into the readings. I'm sure I could come up with something, but I am convinced, and so I'm going to preach on it. It has to do with many other biblical readings, just not the ones we are given today. So first thing, the sin of gossip, which the kind of more obvious versions of it are when you're talking about someone and you're revealing either true or false information about them that sullies their good image or good name. Again, those things may be true that you're saying, but the very fact that you're speaking of them makes them look bad, basically. So that's the obvious forms of gossip. And, and when we fall into that, or when you hear someone else gossiping, it really stands out to you. Those aren't really the complicated versions of gossip. Now, gossip of these categories typically falls under the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, technically, it has to do with lying, but any type of sin in regards to your speech. But what you might not know is that the saints and the fathers of the church tell us that it also relates to not just the Eighth Commandment, but the Fifth Commandment as well. Thou shalt not kill. I don't know how many of you know this, that gossip, slander, calumny, these things are a form of murder. Obviously, it's not the body of the person that you're killing. It is their good name, their reputation. You are murdering their reputation, and they may never get it back again because of what you say. So it's something to consider how God will judge us for that sin. The Bible tells us very clearly that every word spoken casually, without thought or consideration, will be brought before you in regards to judgment. Every word spoken without thought and intention, everyone will be judged. That's how serious God takes this. Now, there's a simple reason why our Lord takes language, words, conversations so seriously. It's because God is the Logos. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, is literally the Word of God. God is Word. And all human words are created and designed by God to reflect his truth and his glory. And when they don't, it offends him personally. That's why it's such a grave offense and can be a mortal sin, a damnable offense for gossip and slander and calumny. Now, again, most of us Christians who are trying to follow the Lord, we, we know when we've gossiped or when we've listened to gossip, and hopefully we repent of it, we go to confession. But there are more subtle forms of gossip that we don't always pay attention to. There, there's two forms in particular that Christians fall into in particular, and it's this. The gossip because we have to pray for somebody. You know, Sarah, a little hussy, we need to keep her in our prayers. Mm -hmm. God bless her soul. I mean, that's the southern style of prayerful Christian gossip. You can justify any type of gossip by saying, we need to pray for so-and-so, and then share what they did, those sins that they were committing, the scandalous things. 
I mean, it's one thing if you're a mother and a father and you're worried about one of your children and you already know what's going on in their life and you say, honey, or, you know, we need to pray for so-and-so because of this. And you're like, absolutely right, let's pray. That's a private, appropriate situation. But standing up in a group and announcing to these other people who don't necessarily know this information, and even if they already do, why are you repeating it? Just say, hey, let's pray for Sarah. And it could have been Abraham. I'm not picking on women here. I'm just saying. You can use prayer and intercession as an excuse to gossip. This gravely offends our Lord. This is, in a sense, more offensive to God than if you just outright shared the stories. Because you're trying to now justify it. So that's the first kind of type of gossip that we can, we can more easily fall into. The second form is even more challenging to deal with. It's when you're trying to get advice because you're having a difficult time in one of your relationships. And so, to some degree, you need to share some of the details of what's been happening so that you can get the advice that you need. Now, first, let me correct you in this, this idea. I'm just, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to blow off some steam. No, that's gossip. No, you don't. You need to pray. Maybe you need some advice, but if you just need to blow off steam, you're doing it wrong. I just need someone to vent to. Then I'll feel better, and then, then I'll be able to handle it. No, it's still gossip. It's still sinful, and God is offended. You think he's going to give you grace to deal with the problem when you're gossiping about it just so that you feel better? Talk to him. Does that mean you can't get advice when you have a problem? No, of course you can. The question is, how do you talk about your problems? We know you can't gossip. We can't gossip. So how do I talk about the issues in my life so that I can improve them? The common mistake that all of us, either in the past or the present, make is this. I'm trying to prudently deal with my problems. Obviously, I don't know how, so I'm seeking the advice of somebody who's hopefully wiser than I in this area. It could be a parent, a sibling, it could be your pastor or a counselor, it doesn't matter. The first thing you need to do, if at all possible, is conceal the identity of the person about whom you are speaking. So if you need to give you particulars about what happened, and it may necessitate me to reveal something bad that they did, then I have to try to protect their identity. So, I, I think sadly some of my siblings are here at Mass today, but let's just say I was having a problem with one of my brothers and sisters, okay? And I'm talking to one of you that I trust or a brother priest. I have to do my best to conceal the identity of that person. Now, if this person knows my family, now I've got 11 brothers and sisters, so I could just tell you, yeah, I'm having a problem with one of my brothers and sisters and you couldn't figure it out. But if you knew my family, you might be able to figure it out. So I can't even tell you that it's a sibling. I have to say, I'm having a problem with one of my relationships. I'm not sure what to do about it. When they do this, this is how I respond. I don't know how to respond in a more Christian way. Got any advice for me? What should I do? But the focus of your conversation has to be about you, not what the other person did, but how you reacted or responded, and how you need to change. If I'm in a situation where I'm seeking advice and direction from someone, regardless of who it is, 
and I'm just fixated on the problems of the other person as if they're the ones who need to change or you gotta tell me how I can fix them. It's an extension of gossip. It might not be as grave, but it's still offensive to God. This happens to me all the time. People come to me and say, Father Miller, so-and-so in my life is doing this and so-and-so in my life is doing that. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want me to do about it? They're not here asking me for advice. Well, how do I fix them? You, you don't, you can't, it's not how it works. I have to repeat this so often because we fall into this trap. God does not want you to try to change the people in your lives. He doesn't want it. He wants you to love the people in your lives. He will change them. If you come to me seeking advice, supposedly, and you're just talking about the, the problem people in your lives, what I try to do is first, I just try to listen. So if somebody's gossiping around you, you need to either politely excuse yourself and walk away, say, I have to use the bathroom, and then just don't come back. Maybe if you're really good, you could try to redirect the conversation. That's a great tactic, not everybody can do that. But that's what I do. When somebody comes to me seeking advice, but they're clearly gossiping, I don't correct them right away. It's not malicious, it's wrong, but not malicious. So I let them talk for a little bit, and then I start asking them questions to direct the conversation. So why do you think God is letting this happen to you? Is the Lord trying to teach you some virtue? Where are you failing to, to love them or to forgive them the way the Lord expects of you? Now, if they accept my direction, then the conversation can continue. But if they keep harping back on the other person is the one who needs to change, it's not me, Father. I mean, I'm usually very patient. It's only when they do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then I say, well, I can't help you. Sorry, there's nothing I can do. You're on your own. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you complain about a problem that God has placed in your life, a cross that he's asked you to carry, if you're not willing to change to carry it more faithfully and successfully. I can't help you. And even for yourself, when you have a family member or a friend who calls you a lot, and they keep complaining about the same topic over and over and over again, you should not keep listening. It doesn't mean you unnecessarily offend them or just hang up the phone, maybe it does, but at the very least, you need to say, hey, look, there's really no point in continuing to complain about this. Do you want my advice? Let's say they agree. Yeah, okay, tell me what you think. And you give them, hopefully, good Christian advice. And the next time you talk with them, they're complaining about the same thing again. And you said, look, if you're not going to implement the advice I gave you, then I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to hear about it. And if they get upset, that's their problem. But if you continue to assist them in their venting their gossip, you're participating in the sin. You can't do that either. Doesn't matter whether you're contributing to it. Even listening to gossip can be sinful. Now, there are situations in your life where you can't get away from a situation, so from a circumstance of gossip, okay? For some reason, you're trapped in a car with somebody on a three-hour trip. And as you've tried to change the conversation, it keeps coming back. You've tried to redirect it in a good way. You've said, please, let's not talk about this, but they just won't shut up, okay? So, that's when you just stop listening and start praying. Just pray during the entire, converse, well, it's not really a conversation, monologue. 
Just pray, that's your job. Pray for them, pray for the person about whom they are gossiping, just pray. Again, you obviously you can't just hop out of the car, sadly, in those, in those moments. So at least mentally remove yourself and place yourself in God's presence. Ask his grace. Ask him to change the person's mind and heart and to change the topic of conversation. There's always something we can do. But we have to be more sensitive and more careful in these areas. Now again, this isn't to say that you don't talk about problems in people's lives. If something is clearly public information, does it really need to be repeated? So if you're saying we need to pray for our president, most good Catholics know why. <laughs> you don't need to talk about it too much. The difference there is he's a public figure and his sins being so public can lead others into sin. And so they can only be addressed by someone in an official position in an official capacity. So you shouldn't be talking about the bad politicians just on your own. That's a form of gossip. Did you know most news and media nowadays is just gossip? What's this new book that, is it Harry, Prince Harry? Is that he's the one that put out? It's just gossip. I don't care whether it's true or not. It could all be true, it could all be a lie. It's still gossip. You buy, you read that book, you're reading gossip, participating in gossip, encouraging gossip. How many news programs even Catholic ones, even conservative ones, just gossip. Everything that they say bearing no good fruit in your life or in theirs. Simply causing worry and anxiety at the best of times. Not imparting the peace of the Holy Spirit. We have to be very diligent in turning our minds and hearts away from these things. Again, it's not always easy, and I can't cover every nuance of discernment in this topic, but it's something you have to pray about every day. Now, Friday night for the, the, the Ladies' Wine, Wit, and Wisdom, this topic came up, which I thought was very apropos since I was going to preach on it. And when discussing the topic, some of the ladies made some really great recommendations in regards to what you can do to help overcome some of those weaknesses that we have in regards to language or, or other sins. And of course, the litany of humility was recommended. If you've never prayed the litany of humility, get ready. It's probably one of the hardest prayers of the church. It'll knock your socks off. Inevitably, whenever somebody starts to pray that litany, they'll get to a, at least one line in the litany and be like, wait a minute, I don't want that. <laughs> no, no, Lord, don't give me that. I'm sorry, I take it back. That's how hard it is, however, it is a perfect litany because everything that it says teaches you some essential truth about the mind and the heart of Christ, who is the word of God. But it's such a difficult prayer and you might not be ready for it that what was recommended on Friday night was that you don't pray it alone. If you're going to try to pray the litany of humility, you have to alternate. One day you pray the litany of humility and then the next day you pray the litany of trust. Much easier prayer to say. Pretty much nobody disagrees with anything in that prayer. So you need both. You need profound trust in God to be willing to be that humble as the other litany tells you. So that's a great, I thought that was a fantastic recommendation. I'm giving it to you. You want to grow in these ways? Litany of humility one day, litany of trust the next, and then you go back and forth.
Now, if you're still not ready for those, there's a, a, a wonderful prayer, an ancient prayer, that my parents taught to me as a child. I often try to give it as a penance. It's, it's just absolutely wonderful. Many of you know it, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. I think it's the childlike version of the Litany of Humility. If you don't know it, look it up. If you can, memorize it. But it is a very beautiful prayer. But at the heart of the prayer is, in essence, that all of my relationships are not about me. They're about, first and foremost, the Lord, and then the other. That's the nature of humility. Don't, don't make it all about me. And if I'm really focused more on the Lord and on others, I won't want to gossip. I won't even want to listen to it. And I'll be on guard at any moment against that temptation. And I'll become better at directing other people away from it when they fall into that sin. So I will end with the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, but I do think it's important to share one more detail with you to help you understand one of the reasons why God doesn't want us to talk about the faults and failings of others. So God is always concerned with your good name. If anyone has a right to publicize our sins, it is the Lord. And yet, he keeps silent. He's patient and he waits. And because of his great mercy, when a sin is confessed, he actually removes it from his own intellect, his own mind. He forgets it. And not only that, you could talk to any exorcist about this, any sin that is confessed, and then forgiven and forgotten by God, even the demons are forbidden from ever mentioning it again. Did you know that? Now, even the demons that were present when I committed the sin, they saw me do it, they know it, they remember it, and they'll continue to remember it, but they can never ever talk about it again to anyone, even another demon, it's gone. That's how much God protects you. This is why the exorcists always go to confession right before they do an exorcism, because they don't want the demons bringing up their private sins and trying to disrupt the exorcism. And trust me, they do it. This is another reason why as a layperson, you don't want to work with exorcists unless you go to frequent confession. <laughs> but that is what our Lord does to protect you. After you've repented, he prevents even the mention of your sins. He wants to do that for all of us all the time. We need to have that same attitude where we want to defend and protect the good name of others. Now, if they publicize their own sin, there's nothing I can do about that. But I'm not going to do it, or at least I'm not going to spread that information in my own conversations. And if I have nothing good to say, then, then don't say anything. Be silent. But the reason it is so difficult for us to be silent is because it's so pleasurable to speak. I, I love preaching, honestly. I love hearing myself talk, as most of us do. I have to constantly repent of this. It's hard to be quiet, but it's also necessary. It's necessary to learn to be silent for the sake of holiness. And so we'll end, and if you know the prayer, you can pray it along with me, with the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. 
Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is sadness, joy. And where there is darkness, light. O divine master, grant that I might seek not so much to be consoled as to console, to be loved as to love. Wait, did I mix it up? To love is to be loved. To be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to everlasting life. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.